Oh, kia ora koutou. It is really uh, good to be with you all tonight. I've been really looking forward to being here. Um, many fellow travellers uh, over my years as a chaplain uh, come through Blueprint, and um, yeah, so it's a real delight uh, to be able to gather with you and um, be in God's presence to ponder um, who God is, what kind of world that we it is that we live in, and how it is that um, God is seeking to draw us more deeply into God's purposes. Um, tonight, uh, what I have to share uh, comes out of a resource that we've created. It's called The Good of Work, um, and um, I can show that to you a little bit later on. But really, we um, at Venn Foundation, we've wanted to create a way to fund our imagination for this part of our life that typically we don't associate with God or Jesus. And we'll talk a bit more about why that might be. Um, Venn Foundation exists to help people embrace the depths and riches of Christian scripture and tradition for um, the good of their homes and their communities and their workplaces. And really our mission is um, grounded in the conviction that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that the gospel um, speaks to all of life, um, particularly Monday through Saturday, which is what we'll touch on tonight. Um, I wonder if we just begin by bringing a scenario of work to mind. I don't necessarily mean paid employment, obviously, as Rose touched on. We're talking about um, um, parts of our life where we're seeking to, we apply sustained effort in order to realize goods. Those might be relational goods. They might be goods that are for our community or for our households, um, but sustained effort. It might be um, uh, caring for others in our house. It might be seeking to build community where we are, whatever that looks like. Just think of a scenario. Bring that scenario to mind, your typical scenario, whatever that place is. And draw to mind the people who you're with in that place. The place of uh, work, as I've just framed it for you. Bring to mind those people. I wonder where you felt the need of God in that space. I wonder where you felt the need for God in that space, the need for the life that God brings in that space. You might have felt it for yourself. You might have felt it for others, or maybe particularly in relationship with those others you're spending a lot of time with. Um, that's the space that we want to speak into tonight. We want to speak into a space where typically we feel like God is not in the room. Certainly Jesus is not in the room. Um, we're going to examine whether that's the case or not. It's going to feel a little teachy, okay? So just heads up, like it's not going to feel preachy. It's going to feel a little teachy. Okay, so we're going to talk, to, in order to talk about work in God's purposes, we actually have to go really big. So we're going to talk about creation um, and, and the good of work. We're going to talk about, briefly, we could spend a lot of time on this, but we're going to talk about what's gone wrong with work. Because work is a site of great contention, injustice, and distortion in human society. So we're going to talk brief, but that'll be brief. And then we're going to spend a bit of time 
looking at the person of Jesus and how he talked and thought and lived um, in relation to work. And then we're going to conclude um, with a bit of a, a prayer reflection where Jesus um, and that workplace um, will come together. Um, this is me, uh, circa 2002, um, just cruising uh, through Newtown. I uh, couldn't tell you what that uh, bus service was now. I'm probably out of service. I don't think that was a bus route. Um, I was um, a stunningly fresh-faced bus driver. Several times people would get on the bus and look a little bit alarmed that I happened to be the face behind the wheel. Uh, I was 20, um, living in a Christian flat in Kilburnie. Um, wasn't part of UV, but had lots of UV mates and sort of aspired to a UV life, but ended up bus driving instead. And, um, and I worked for this company called Stagecoach. Um, if you grow up in Tawa, I mean, Scotty might, he's not here tonight, but he might be able to speak to this. If you grow up in Tawa, you need a, a finishing school. You need some way to just sort of fill out the details of life. Um, Stagecoach provided that for me. Um, halfway into my time with Stagecoach, the CEO of this um, multinational corporation, uh, he was an evangelical uh, Scotsman called Brian Suter, came from uh, Scotland. And I was part of the porphyry for uh, Brian. And so um, we, we had our porphyry with him. Um, sort of, it seemed like early in the piece, the manager intervened and said, look, Brian's got to go. Um, it's been great, but Brian's got to go because um, he needs to get home and spend time with his family. And it doesn't matter where he is in the world. He just always makes sure that he's home to spend time with his kids. And uh, a colleague sidled up to me uh, this man was a, a, a burned out uh, Roman Catholic priest, the most beautiful man. He sidled up to me and said, well, if Brian paid his bus drivers a bit more, they could spend the weekends with their families too. It was a lively lesson in the theology of work, two um, theologies of work and tension, with the question of how God's justice might need to play out in relation to commercial enterprise and corporate culture and the social good. And in conversation with that same priest friend, I was really strengthened in my own efforts to make sense in light of who God is of my own bus driving efforts. I developed a little bit of a monastic routine around my daily uh, uh, bus driving and sought to serve people through that work. And during that time, in my time with a stagecoach, I became convinced and remain convinced that our life at work, whether that's paid or unpaid employment, um, as individuals and as organizations, is of great interest to God. Um, we spend the majority of our waking hours, many of us, uh, in employment of some kind, paid or voluntary. And the cultures of our workplaces shape us for better or worse. Work is where we can experience the greatest satisfaction and where we can be deeply hurt. Our work is always connected to the questions of human purpose. It's one of the reasons we can be deeply hurt at work is because it's a place of purpose um, and of action, questions of identity and fulfillment. Who am I at work? Um, questions about what the world is for, 
what the world needs. Um, and I think the last two years have really sharpened this for us in terms of some of the tensions that we experience at work. Yet, um, when the church gathers like we do, very often you'd be forgiven for thinking that um, the way we spend our week is marginal to the questions of God. What's the point of your work beyond providing life's necessities? Um, what does God make of your work? So when we gather for worship, we, we linger in the light of God, who God is. That's, it's good and right that we do that. And we, we kind of receive life from God. We're going to celebrate Eucharist tonight. But typically, work's not a direct topic of conversation unless it pops up in the coffee chat with the like, how's your week been? Awesome. On we go. Um, how is it? connect with questions like mission how does it connect with the person of jesus how is it a god thing um how does who god is and the life god causes to speak to things like competence and excellence at work how does it speak to justice in workplace cultures and how change might be fostered for the good of all how does it speak to um the question of growing in wisdom in relation to um, the way sin and evil plays out in our work? Um, how does it relate to workplace stress and um, the kind of identities that we um, can form in our work? Very often our workplace identities can be quite brittle if we tie our identity to our work too closely. Um, in the Wellington Diocese, um, Typically, work features in our missional, I can say our, because I used to be a diocesan chaplain, features in our missional imagination as part of a bivocational enabling of mission. So very often, there's an affirmation of work insofar as it funds the work of, of um, whatever that mission looks like, whatever you're, wherever you are in the diocese. But I want to suggest that such an arrangement um, can distort our understanding of the fullness of what God calls us to. There are many problems with this kind of split imagination around work, but one of these is, one of the key problems is this, that when we entertain a division between God and his mission and the church gathered, and Monday to Friday, nine to five work, or whatever that looks like for you, that split plays completely into a deep divide in the secular imagination and the imagination of the world uh, around us, the big story that shapes the world around us, which is that religion and our faith and matters of spirituality uh, need to happen um, off here to the side. And then we can deal with the real world stuff and work as a real world question. So there's the division in the secular imagination. Now, contemporary imagination of um, God, religion, and um, the real life. Personal faith, real world work. And so it, it means that when we go to work, uh, we develop quite subtle habits of checking out with Jesus and leaning into competence and becoming the workplace person who we are. We, we lean into that split. Okay. All right. So, I want you just to turn to your neighbor one or two minutes. What, what, 
what are your questions at the moment, you personally, around work that you've got? One or two minutes. What, what questions do you have when you think about work? Let's do that. Let's do that. That's awesome. Thanks, man. I just give you half a half a minute. Cool. Um, let's let's come back together. It's just a quick prime the pump, but um, come back together. Are there one or two you just want to share? What sort of questions you're asking around work and God at the moment? Meditation. I think we kind of want to talk about myself. Maybe uh, I'm not really adjusted myself to working. Mm. And so I'm not like, I'm not really propped that separation between myself, mm -hmm. who I am, and where I'm in the workplace, mm -hmm. or God and the workplace. Like, I'm trying to go into work in a way that brings God in. With me, but it's kind of kind of cultural. I don't really know how to do it. Awesome, that's awesome. Thank you. It's a great share. I'm hoping there might be something here tonight that um, just can encourage and strengthen you in there. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm both fine arts student at the moment. Yeah. I get quite overwhelmed by the wildness and uh, bigness of what's asked of us and some of our tasks. I was hanging out with Scotty the other day and I was quite overwhelmed. Just was like, I've got no thoughts, got no imagination. And he's like, oh, what if you like leaned into like the prophetic imagination, right. like stories that uh -huh. through some of the prophets uh -huh. and like try some of that, like just sit down with God and be like, what do you think about? And like, actually like it just took so much weight off. Uh -huh. That's um, awesome. Like, yeah. Being like, oh, I need to like adhere to an institution's like needs. Uh -huh. Like, oh, actually, like, this is a massive part of my life. Yeah. How can like God be brought into like actually adhere, like the flow? Awesome. Thanks, Connor. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That's great. It it feels like more of a stretch, but sometimes I'd I'd say to students, um, hey, in the middle of your essay, pray. <laughs> it's an interesting test of our hearts, but we have a whole lot of activities that we think are of no interest and concern to God. Um, I think God's big enough for us to test those hypotheses and to actually draw them into these processes, draw them into these things that just seem um, so everyday and mundane. Um, but yeah, it's a brilliant example of that as well. Thanks. Yeah, one more. Mm. And so I'm the leader of the baby, the under two year olds. Mm. So I'm part of the leadership team. And we started the year with going, changing things up. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. We're going to like get like more God focused as well. And we're going to bring this in more. And just the shit at the fan. Right. It's just uh -huh. so me and the head teacher have, have have had it most this year and have had it just coming at us. Mm. And so it's a struggle at the moment. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Where even are you now? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Because mm -hmm. this is the hardest year of my career. Mm. Mm. It's just like, what the heck is going on? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, not sure how it's supposed to work out for her because it's a shit house right now. Mm. There have been times, some of them have been great. Mm -hmm. We had some awesome prayers before work this last week, but it has been like this. Mm. So, brought me here, God, but what the heck is this? Mm -hmm. thank you yeah there's a lot at stake in this question for us there's actually a lot at stake in terms of the context where many of us find ourselves um there's a nine to five we can say it easily but actually the living in it there's a lot at stake in that um look let me just pray and then we're going to start filling out a really big uh picture okay Uh, God, you know how uh, this question of work uh, lands with each of us, whether we're employed, unemployed, paid, um, unpaid employment, whatever the shape of it is. Um, we do want to know the fullness of life with you uh, through the whole of uh, our week, uh, through the whole of the year. Um, already, Lord, there's been some things that we've shared that just show what's at stake in this for us. So I do pray that you would come by your spirit and be amongst us and minister to us. Amen. Right at the beginning of um, Genesis 2, 2 uh, we read these words, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. 
there's a lot we could say about this wee verse. But the first thing I want to say is that work features in the story of Scripture first as God's activity. The theologies of the day um, typically thought of work as something human beings did as the slaves of the powerful, the slaves of the gods. But here it is divine before it's human. So self, God's action to create time and space and um, to actualize his purpose, all of that is described through the everyday activity of work, the stuff we know as work. It's the same word that's used. Um, God makes God does good work. What he does is, is good. So it's, it's done with purpose. Uh, it's well conceived. It's well executed. It's well ordered. And the results have integrity as distinct and relational creatures, these distinct parts of the world that we know. His work unfolds within a working week of six days and a rest day, a rhythm that God creates and then works within. So work, God works, God rests, and everything else follows. So your work is following in a pattern that's true of God. It's sharing in something that's true of God before it's true of us. Insofar as talk about God is talk about what is ultimately true and good and beautiful, to learn that work is true first of God imbues your work, what you do each week, with an astonishing precedent. To go to work is, in a very simple and profound sense, to align yourself with God's way in the world. So God's way in the world is not simply to rest. To go to work is to align yourself with God's way in the world. There's much more we need to say about what else needs to be true of work for it to share in God's purposes. Um, but we can't mean less than this. The world God creates is well-ordered. It's full of meaning. It's not a matter of chance surprise. This is the, the what the poem in Genesis 1 and into Genesis 2 lays out for us is a world full of meaning. It's charged with meaning. So understand the purpose of our work, we need to ask, what was God's purpose in creating? And the Christian tradition here prompts us to say at least two things. Firstly, it was God's rich dynamic of inner life of love and goodness as Father, Son, Spirit that motivated creation. And God's desire was to share this love and goodness with others. And secondly, and it's intimately created to this, God created the cosmos, the world, to manifest his glory, to, if you like, be a true mirror of God, to shine back at God's character. And so, this sets the conditions. When we go to work, and there's a, we're building up a picture here, so you're going to think of exceptions to what I'm about to say, but we're building up a picture. When we go to work, we're in a world of good meaning and order, originally, 
a world shaped by God's love. And the creation is made to bring glory to God. And this is our world's true end, that each creature is called to contribute to the, the reflecting back to God of God's goodness and love and beauty according to its capabilities and its, its powers. So our work takes its meaning from the particular powers and capacities which we've been given. What are those? So that's our second point. God's, our work takes its meaning from that of creation. Creation is made good. Creation is made to be in relationship with the Lord. So let's think about the human beings. Um, the first two names, Adam and Eve, or, or um, the earthling and life, okay? Um, the, the word for human being, Adam, uh, sounds like the Hebrew word for earth, for Adama. There's actually a word play there um, that, that Genesis makes. In other words, we're, we're earthlings. We're of creation. And we have a particular role in creation. Genesis describes the second story in Genesis, so Genesis 2 into Genesis 3, describes how the human is placed in a garden. And a garden, they're there to do a particular role, which is to work and to tend or to, to serve and keep. These verbs are translated in different ways. Um, to till and to sow the garden. Um, they're placed in a place of flourishing, but with a particular role to further the flourishing of that garden. So it's not, it's not just sort of wandering around picking fruit, which is often the image that you get when you think of the Garden of Eden. There's actually a state here of flourishing, and we have a particular role to amplify the flourishing of the world, to enable creation to be creation. This is the first vision for human work. We're placed in a garden to till and sow, or to work and take care of that garden. The verbs that are used here are used later in the Hebrew scriptures to talk about the work that the priests do in the tabernacle, to work and, and take care of or to serve and guard. The temple cult um, that you see in the books of Moses is preserving a memory of human vocation. Of these human beings, um, the temple was like an image of the Garden of Eden, if you like. And you see these human beings um, lifting creation to God in praise and reflecting God's character to creation. Was the meaning of our work to make known God's good rule, his care for, his purpose for flourishing for the whole of creation, to make that known to creation and to work in such a way that creation's not exploited but enabled to be the creation purposed by God, which brings him glory. But this brings us to part of what it means to be, um, you'd have heard the term image bearers. We're to work with God. We're made to um, image God's rule, not by lording it over other creatures. That would be a total distortion of of reading of these texts. Um, talk of rule can make us really nervous uh, for good reason, given our histories. Uh, but exploitative rule is alien to this, the picture that we see in Genesis. 
In the words of um, Walter Brueggemann, Walter Brueggemann's an Old Testament scholar. He's worth reading. A calling as God's image bearers is to see that creation becomes fully the creation willed by God. To see that creation becomes fully the creation willed by God. So we're called to use our distinct capacities for knowing, understanding, for planning, will, imagination, reason, language, representation, relationship, to bless the rest of creation, including each other, and help it fulfill its purpose uh, to bring glory to God. So work is not simply an unfortunate necessity uh, on the way to a spiritual destination. And it's not just a means of raising money to support mission for the real, the sort of important spiritual stuff. Your workplace is, if you like, a little bit of God's good creation given to you to tend and care for through the exercise of your God-given capacities so that God's love and goodness can be known there. Um, and it's not just how we work that matters, but the ends to which we work, um, to mend, to make, to till, to heal, to organize, to nurture, to understand are all good, meaningful uh, things because through such work, we fulfill our primary calling to steward God's good earth and to help creation bring glory to God by fulfilling its potential. Um, if you sort of feel like the picture is just getting a little bit too big, uh, for your Monday through Friday. Um, just stay with me a little bit longer. We need to go this big. This is the expansive frame in which to understand the meaning and purpose of our work. This is um, Dorothy Sayers, um, wrote 1940, um, just reflecting on what would good work look like. She says, the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sunday. She's a rather um, uh, sort of ramrod straight Anglican 1940s. So you need to hear her voice uh, with, that, with that in mind. What the church should be telling uh, this worker is this, that the very first demand his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. In order to understand the fullness of God's vision for work, to understand the integrity and the goodness and the completeness with which we can approach our working. We need this big frame. Dorothy says, had that big frame. But there's more we need to say about work. We can't just waltz into the world saying the world is created by God, it's good and meaningful, and I'm sent to be a priest and a ruler, and on we go. Um, because as we know, the world is not like there's more we need to say uh, about this. Okay, so let's talk about what's gone wrong. I want to talk about what's gone wrong through a story that you'll find in uh, the book of Genesis in chapter 11, the tower, uh, the great tower that's made. Many of you familiar with the story, the Tower of Babel. Because work is so central to being human, it becomes a site of contention. So when we experience contention at work, whatever else is going on there, it's a reminder that there is something deeply important 
at stake here. Um, very quick sketch of the Tower of Babel. After the fall, one way of thinking about the fall is that human beings lay hold of a source of life that isn't gifted to them. They lay hold of a source of life that's not gifted to them by God. They seek to have life on their own terms and to be wise in their own eyes. And this plays out a little bit later in chapter 11 of Genesis. Babel is a, a focal point where humanity is gathered together and they discover a new technology, bricks and mortar. What will they do with this new tech? What do human beings do with new tech? Any new tech is going to raise these questions for us. What will you do with this new power? Well, they're already afraid. They've, they've already been shaped by the lie that we can live from ourselves, that we can grasp at life for ourselves. And so they're afraid. And their work and their technology are distorted. They say, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. It's amazing how contemporary the story feels when you look at human endeavors that seek to build greatness. That phrase, to make a name for ourselves, is still very much a current today. How many human enterprises does it describe? So what happens? They seek to make a name for themselves rather than honoring God's name. And so what happens to their work? It becomes a locus, it becomes a, a focal point of um, our worship of other things, of things other than God. So instead of offering their work to God as, as worship, seeking to honor God and reflect who God is and to join their energies to God's purposes and to, to um, they start to look to work to keep them safe, to give them life and to tell them who they are. This is a pattern that we see play out in our workplaces. We seek to look to our work to keep us safe, to provide what we need and to tell us who we are. And unsurprisingly, work becomes a site of division and conflict, a means then of oppression and injustice. Um, the bricks at Babel, the next time we see bricks really in Genesis is in Egypt, uh, where the oppression is very clearly um, on, on show. So work becomes characterized by toil, it also becomes characterized by waste with a certain amount of what we could just call crap. So we try stuff and it doesn't work. We go to work with good intentions and it, it doesn't quite come off. We misunderstand one another. Uh, there are things um, that push our buttons and we don't realize that it's framing how we're looking at a certain situation. We lack the skills to, you know, have whatever conversation we need to or or we haven't done the work of planning out. And even when we have done those things, there's no guarantees that comes off. Now, the Bible says that that reflects a deep fracturing of God's good ordering of things. Firstly, a sense that it's not right 
is dignified. But secondly, we, we do receive the wisdom. Oh, we can expect this. As I go to work, I can expect, even with the best will in the world, there's a certain margin of what we could call uh, crap, waste and futility. And then there are these other things as well, these more gross uh, things, where work becomes a focal point for idolatry. That is where something that is made by God is lifted up as if it was God. Um, I want to suggest that part of our conflicted relationship with work is often because we expect it to fulfill those things that only God can fulfill. We want it to feed us, um, to be an ultimate source for us. Of course, it's a means of bread on table, right? We want it to tell us who we are. Okay. I said it was going to be real um, brief brushstroke on that whole question of what's gone wrong with work. There's a lot more that we could say there, not least in terms of thinking about how this plays out institutionally. So we actually need a theology. We need a, a way of looking at the world with God that's big enough to help us think about this on the micro and on the macro scale. And scripture speaks to both. The story of Babel speaks uh, to both. Okay. You with me? Let's come to uh, Jesus. Jesus is uh, the human being who walks a path of unbroken trust with God. And as such, he becomes um, our way. His life becomes laid down like a path that we then walk, walk him. And our humanity, including our work, is restored to us in Jesus as we follow him. So what do the Gospels have to say about work, about human work and about Jesus and work? What, what counts as real work in God's eyes? Does my work, is my work actually count? Is it, uh, does God regard it? Is it only tent making or bivocationality forever, ever after? Um, can we say more? If you read John's gospel, one of the dominant ways that Jesus has for talking about his mission is work. If you read John's gospel, one of the main ways Jesus has for talking about what he's doing is work. He says, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. There's an echo here of the, the story of creation. God is a worker. Work is true of God first. And Jesus um, speaks of this relationship, the one he called Abba. Abba is working and I'm working. Facing his um, death, when he comes to sum up what he has accomplished, he picks up the language of um, Genesis 1, verse 31. Just as at the creation, God finished the work he was doing and rested. So Jesus prays as he goes to the cross. He says, and his disciples hear this prayer, I've brought you glory on earth, Abba, by finishing the work you gave me to do. He's finished his work. And actually, Jesus' body lies in the tomb, 
on the day of rest. So work is there in his imagination, his understanding of God's purposes unfolding through his life. Um, his working career before his ministry is also important. Um, God the maker is incarnate in Jesus the carpenter. I think we can look at Jesus' life and, and think of it as a, a sort of um, a whole lot of humdrum stuff beforehand and then this glorious but brief ministry and that's the bit that God was really about. But actually the gospels make it clear because they begin with Jesus' conception this whole thing is a salvation history that's playing out. So we need to take that mundane stuff really seriously. It hints at the dignity of our work. Um, Jesus' uh, work would have been known as a servile art to the Roman imagination. For most of his life, he's a tradie, and this is part of good, God's purposes. For those of you who are in jobs where there's a whole lot of humdrum, or a whole lot of mundane, that too has been woven into the story of Jesus. I said Jesus lives this life of unbroken trust in the Father. He's about his Father's business. He lives um, from the provision of the Father according to the Father's priorities. And he remains in loving communion with God. Um, and this shapes how he goes to work, how he is at work. You sat down and said, tell me about your methods. How do you approach this task or that task? He would start talking about his relationship with the father. Um, my father's always at work. I too am working. And at one point he says, it's the father who's living in me who is at his work. And I'm part of this. His work is shaped by God's priorities and purpose. Um, so in his case, it means healing, deliverance, teaching, um, it culminates in his obedience uh, unto death. Um, but more than that, he works, he undertakes his what is his day-to-day -day stuff through intimacy with God. And we're going to spend a bit of time in this piece because I think it's it's the piece that we can really readily pick up given the demands of our working situations. He lives a life of unbroken trust in the power of the Spirit for God's purpose, reflecting God's glory. In other words, he's restoring the human vocation. He's restoring that original calling that we had. So what does this mean for those of us who are seeking to walk in this life of unbroken trust with God? In Jesus, we see this new way of being human, a new way of accomplishing work in the world. So through relationship with God, by the power of the Spirit. To live and work in this way is to find yourself participating in God's own good working with purpose, with an identity that's not grounded in your work, regardless of the results, and with leading and authority and power by the Spirit, kind of touched on this before in terms of, hey, this creative process falls within, I'm going to re reframe what you shared a little bit, so let's see if I can pull this off, but it falls within, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And God's gift of God's Spirit 
is available to you in that moment. And the memory of how he's spoken to people through his prophets is available to you. So there's this life that we have in our creative processes or in our very humdrum uh, work. Our identity is then secure at work. We're not trying to make a name for ourselves. We're not trying to make a name for ourselves. We don't need to do that anymore. So work is no longer a means of securing myself. Uh, we're free to do good work. Insofar as work is rooted in God's purpose and meaning, it's, it's meaningful. Um, one of the interesting things that you see in the life of the early church is that what counted as work um, became very broad. For the ancient imagination, there were the liberal arts, typically the wealthy who didn't need to work because they had a whole um, group of people under them sponsoring their life, if you like, um, normally through slavery. And then there were the servile arts, so those who have to uh, make work just survive for themselves. What counts as work for Christians changes radically. Um, and so um, work derives its meaning insofar as it's offered to the Lord. There's more I could say around this in terms of um, the resurrection and um, how that shapes our life in terms of hope. Um, but what I want to do now, let me skip over my Tom, Tom Wright quote. What I want to do now is just spend a bit of time in this exercise of prayerful imagining. I said earlier that the life Jesus opens up is one where I can, with God's spirit, um, learn to do good work where I am. And I want to do this um, exercise then as a way of um, funding and fostering our imagination for God at work and also opening workspaces that previously we might have imagined as closed to God, to opening those to God's initiative. Um, so this will feel quite silent and spacious. It'll be just ahead of um, some time of worship. So you might find that this is something you can continue to linger in. Um, and I'll just step us through this. Okay. So what I'm just to explain what I'm going to um, invite us to do, I'm going to invite you to imagine um, the place where you spend your Monday through Friday, whether that's at home or uh, whether that's at work, whether it's paid or unpaid employment, whatever the shape of that is. I want you to invite you there. And then we're going to ask the Lord Jesus to step into that space. Now, we're doing this using our imaginations, but we're doing this um, with God. And he's given us our imaginations. Um, so let that be shaped by prayer and trust in God. We'll probably take about um, five minutes to do this and then we'll come to worship. Lord Jesus, uh, you live a life of unbroken trust. Uh, you're God's life among us. And as we um, follow after you, and as you gift us the spirit who was in you, uh, Lord, you draw us into our life um, as fully human, 
um, creatures, as those are reflecting uh, God, God's character, God's purpose, God's ways. We've spoken already tonight, Lord, of uh, the way in which your world needs you and our workplaces need you. So pray that you'd use this time now as your spirit is at work among us uh, to make it very clear to us how you are present to us in those places, present to those we're with in those places. And uh, Lord, would you bless this time? So I want you to return to your work situation of choice and in silence, call to mind a typical setting, typical room or setting for that work, uh, for your life Monday through Friday. Just call that to mind. Just like uh, those who followed Jesus when he walked among us, uh, you're just doing your daily work. So you might like to just call to mind the sorts of things you do and the people you're with, the people who are easy to be with, and the people who are not easy to be with. Thank you, Lord, that none of these details are strange or apart from you. I just invite you to prayerfully imagine Jesus coming into that setting. And you might want to acknowledge him, welcome him or acknowledge him, however that finds you tonight in that setting. Now, just give us a couple of minutes now to pray, Lord, what do you notice? Ask Jesus what he notices about your workplace. And you might like to ask him, what do you want to say to me? What do you notice? What do you want to say to me? It's going to give us a couple of minutes for you to Listen, you can't discern anything. Just linger in this picture of Jesus in your workplace.
Lord Jesus, uh, you call us uh, your friends, not servants, um, though you also teach us um, that too. But you call us your friends, and I ask for each one of us here, whatever our week holds, that you um, would draw us more deeply into our friendship with you, uh, into um, working uh, with you. Uh, Lord, we're very aware of how much we and those we work with um, need um, your presence, your wisdom, um, need the flourishing that is your good purpose for all creation. And so I ask that you would begin now um, to teach us, and we're just mindful of of Blueprint's journey over the next few weeks around these questions of purpose and vocation and work and so on. Pray that you would draw us and teach us uh, to know the fullness of uh, your life um, through the whole of our days. Yeah, we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you, everyone. Thank you for your trust. This is, I know, um, a lot at stake in this for many of us, um, but I, I really want to encourage you that um, our life with God only deepens and broadens as we go, and that includes um, our work. I was going to say a bit about Venn, but I won't bother. Um, do check out the website if you're interested in you know, a bit more about um, what we do. Um, just to say, too, one of the resources... Um, who, uh, that are available to us in the diocese is a guy called Wayne Kirkland. Wayne's done a lot of time in the theology of workspace. So um, he's out at St. David's in Nainai. Well worth getting alongside him, even for a one-on-one -on -one chat around these sorts of things. But yeah, bless you. Kia ora.